Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, 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 tennis, hockey, golf. The game is starting, everyone is here. I got my snacks, my friends, and a beer. Just two normal guys hanging out, having fun. Right, guy number two? Yeah, guy number one. Single, double, triple, home run. Welcome to the We Like Sports Podcast. Once again, it's Pete, Pete, and... Damn. <laughs> you want to do this another day? <laughs> Welcome to the We Like Sports Podcast. Once again, this is Peyton speaking right now alongside Pete and Riggs. I got it right. That's actually going to stay in here because I think that'd be a funny intro to the show. So what we're going to end up doing today is talking a national championship talk in which the LSU Tigers, one of the two Tiger teams, ended up becoming victorious. Guys, first and foremost, why don't we talk about Joe Burrow? Hmm. He's probably one of the most accurate quarterbacks that I've seen in a while. And he can literally place that ball anywhere possible. And he's also exuberating confidence. Oh, that yeah. Is also kind of a cockiness, too. So this is a two-in-one question. Can Joe Burrow succeed in the NFL as his career continues? And is his confidence slash cockiness similar to Baker Mayfield's? I believe he can uh, hang in the NFL with that confidence. I believe if you're an NFL quarterback or any professional athlete – you have to go into work 100% thinking and knowing I can do this and I will do this. But if you have the the skills to back it up, then you know that that's that's good for him. Um, any simul uh, any similarities to Baker Mayfield? I don't want to compare apples to oranges or say he's like this person. I believe Baker's his own man, and so is Joe Burrow. I think they're they are very similar. Genuinely, and I, I'm a, I'm a Baker guy, but I do genuinely genuinely believe that. Burrow does have the higher ceiling. Burrow has been completely unmatched in college. The only person that even came close, honestly, is Trevor Lawrence. But Burrow has displayed a skill set and a grasp of the game mixed with leadership and mechanics and just natural raw talent that it's exactly what you're looking for in in a quarterback. The perfect balance of, like we said, uh, confidence, physical skill, understanding of of the the, uh, game i am completely blown away with joe burrow do you think that maybe joe burrow with him declaring for the draft and pretty much almost guaranteed to go to the cincinnati Bengals? he's a Bengal. he's already a Bengal. do you think he should as an nfl player or a soon-to-be nfl player with that much confidence and that much talent kind of do something that eli manning did and say that you're not going to play for a team and see what happens because if I were him, I would not want to play for Cincinnati because AJ Green's also a free agent and that would be my top wide receiver. I personally wouldn't want to play for Cincinnati if I was Joe Burrow because that would ruin my career that's, from the start. That's not, I hate that because, like the structure or not, that's the way it's structured and you, you don't get to really say who you play for when, when you come in. It's not like there's just a free agency pool, like you don't get to pick. Well, I believe some people whine out or they they try to weasel their way out, like how the Eli Manning situation, he held the Chargers jersey up and he put it in front of him like it had some kind of nasty odor in front yeah, of him. Yeah, right, right. Which so, just, that's not, it's not up to you. Then if you don't want to make millions of freaking dollars to play f- football, then don't play. True. That's fair. 
while we're still on the topic, speaking of football, speaking of the LSU-Clemson national title game, something similar happened to Clemson in what happened with the game with Ohio State. Their linebacker got ejected from the game due to a targeting call. Do you think that it's just a case of karma? I mean, that along with the fact that there is a mixture near the end between defensive pass interference and offensive pass interference combined on both sides from LSU and Clemson because... Higgins ended up getting caught, but it was on both sides that probably, depending on who saw it better, it could have gone the other way. Do you think it's kind of a case of just karma in general? Not to get lost in the shuffle with all the rambling, but do you think it's just um, a case of karma getting back to them following a targeting call that a rule is just so severe that if you end up getting caught for targeting, you're out for the game and that he would have been out for the national championship if Ohio State made it? I mean, you could say good karma, bad karma, like, if you want to, but I think that that was a good call. I also I also don't think that it was a call that changed the outcome of the game. I mean, if you want to talk about karma, I, I, I guess. I can, yeah, I can believe that could be some karma, but I personally, I've, I passed out. I didn't really watch the game. I've just seen the very end with them holding up the trophy. But, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, the game's over, it's said, and it's done. So, I mean, it, it could have been karma. It, it, it could have, you know, ball don't lie in those situations. When we talk about Clemson, still on the topic of the Clemson Tigers, Trevor Lawrence experienced his first loss since high school football. That's ridiculous. That's crazy ridiculous. That's amazing. Right. Uh, but, yeah, that's. How humbling is it, though, to take that first loss in a national championship game? Would you be humbled, or would you be coming back more so hungry? I don't think that year? he, I don't think that he wasn't humble. You don't think he was humble? I, no, I, I don't think that he wasn't humble. I don't think that, that that's been an issue for him. I think that he's going to learn and grow and get better and come back to it. But I, 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 don't, think that, I don't think that Trevor Lawrence has had a, an issue with, with being humble. You got four years of high school – and then you got his college years, and he's won every single game. I, I, I guarantee, you know, when he went out to eat in his hometown, he probably got meals for free on him, milkshakes. All the girls wanted him. You know, I don't know if I'm thinking about the movie Varsity Blues too much here, but that, that's got to come. pipe dreams that you want to happen to you, but. Right, that's got to come with some expectations, too, and a lot of pressure if, you know, okay, you're going in. You left, you left high school undefeated. Now we want to see the same thing in college. So I can just imagine the pressure that he dealt that he dealt with and the pressure that he you know succeeded from like yeah I can still do this at the college level now can he go professional I mean can he go undefeated in the professional league highly doubtful I you know I but, wouldn't even say highly doubtful it is doubtful there's no way in the NFL if he is an NFL CFL XFL quarterback no matter unless if your career is about 3 years long that way you might be able to have a whole entire career worth of being undefeated. But if you have an average NFL career as a quarterback, let's say 10 years or XFL quarterback or CFL quarterback, there's no way that you are undefeated winning 10 championships in a row. And with Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, this is definitely a very interesting situation due to the fact that after it happened, they have said that OBJ, after handing out wads of cash to LSU players after winning the national championship, that technically that's not an NCAA violation because he was handing out fake money. Oh, it was fake money. That's what they reported, that it was fake. Exactly. So there's either the fine line that they're trying to do, or maybe Odell Beckham Jr. is just trying to 
pretty much not necessarily prove a point and celebrate with his pretty much alma mater LSU. Did you see the faces that he was making while handing it out? No. He was making a face of like, it was almost comedic because if it was fake money, he was doing it to prove a point, I guess. With the NCAA money type deal with like yes. Chase Young. Oh, okay. Kind of like, would you say trolling the um, situation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that would technically, this year, 2019 season, let's say, would be the last time that they would actually be in trouble, though, for making money off of their jersey slash name, right? Because the whole entire memorabilia thing pretty much is established and done with, and that's why there's the possibility of NCAA 2020 coming out because they could actually make money off their name. So was it also a case of the point of that it's the last year that they could do this, so they're kind of pretty much going out with a bang, showing that, hey, I can pay these guys now because this rule no longer exists. I think it was just Odell being Odell. I think he was just taking a shot at the uh – NCAA. Um, yeah, it, it, it could. Yeah, we're in the year 2020 now. It could have been. <laughs> it could have been trolling. You know. You know. Good. Good for LSU. Good for him going back to his alma mater. At least showing those young men and the coaching staff and the whole school that look, I still care. Even though I'm a professional, I didn't. I don't forget where I came from and who who the hell I am. Kind of wrap up the national championship topic. LSU players, specifically Joe Burrow, was smoking a cigar amongst teammates following the game in the locker rooms, and they they were threatened to be arrested for smoking a celebratory cigar for winning a national championship. Now I understand that, like obviously, it's not necessarily okay for an athlete to show that it's okay to smoke, but I also think from the aspect of like a celebratory like cigar, I do know that that's an actual thing. I know that some families do it depending on which way you grow up. Mm-hmm. What are your guys' thoughts on being threatened to be arrested for smoking a cigar in a locker room? Now, here's the thing. I don't see where it's their business. They weren't breaking any laws. Exactly. Now, but at the same time, was that arena or the stadium, is it, you know, a smoke-free zone? But at the same time, the owner... going to be arrested for that. Well, right, but the owner of the stadium, you know, hey, I can pay that fine off. I just made umpteen amount of money from having this game televised in my stadium. So whatever that $1,200 fine, whatever it is for the whole smoking in the stadium, they can pay that off real quick. If you go back to the 1960s and the 70s, Red Arnbark, I believe his name is, the Boston Celtics coach, after every game, he lit a cigar. But we live in a different era now than we did back in the 1960s. Like it's, you, it's, it's, it's a cigar after a national championship win. Like, get out of here. I don't want to hear about that. Right. I mean, there's people that smoke cigarettes and there's uh, cigars after they win the NBA finals. You know, in, in recent terms to this day. Now it is wrong to show kids that, hey, smoking, you know, smoking is bad. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. Well, are they inhaling the smoke? Is it just for the flavor? You know, because you can tell when someone is inhaling some type of smoke, especially those fat type of cigars. If they truly were inhaling, they'll be coughing up a lung and turning red all over the field. So it's just for taste and for victory. And I think it's just bull crap. Shouldn't be arrested for it. Now, if it was the other stuff, then, yeah, that's temp- that's, you know, illegal in certain states. You can arrest them for that. But the cigar, just sensitive. And they just want something to complain about, in my opinion. And I mean, to just wrap up the topic alone. In 2016, when the Cavs won the NBA championship, you had J.R. Smith shirtless and carrying around a bottle with him 
to celebrate. And all summer. Penny. All summer. And he was shirtless everywhere he went. Like, that was his thing. My ex-girlfriend's but, dad sold cars, and J.R. Smith walked in there shirtless, drunk, and expecting a discount, but they wouldn't give it to him. And he got mad, but that's a story for another day. That actually sounds like an interesting story. But moving on, though, to the NFL in which something the Cleveland Browns didn't make. Let's talk the playoffs. I had to get that shot in there. Yeah, Steelers didn't make it either, buddy. Yeah, but my one team has, though. You only they, get one they, team. They've yeah, became, you, you, only get, you only get one, buddy. No, they became my team to pretty much just the underdog story, what I like. The Tennessee Titans. Oh, bandwagon. That's the word you're looking for. No, just the playoff. I like rooting for them because they're a sixth seed and – for other reasons for my other career outside of here. I don't have a bandwagon team. There are teams where I'm like, okay, if the Browns don't make it, I would like to see these guys go far. And my team was Buffalo this year for that because it gave me as a Browns fan high hope. Hey, if they can turn it around after decades of being, you know, crappy, then maybe we can. But we talked about that in last year's podcast episode. The Titans have beat the New England Patriots, and now they have beaten Baltimore. What has made the Titans so special so far in defeating, not necessarily a three-seed, because I think the New England Patriots are stronger than that, but a loss on Week 17 kind of screwed them over. And then the number one seed, Baltimore Ravens. What has made Tennessee so special and pretty much continued this success? There's no – they're not in the media as much. They're They're not – Showcased. I don't um, think that has anything to do with. You don't, I mean, the they're, field. They're, they're under the radar. It's you don't like, think it has to do with straight coaching and oh yeah, that, being that playing too. A, as an absolute team and playing to their strengths. That too, of course. But they're not. Dis- they're Tannehill. not. Dis- they're not distracted like the Browns were with this. Oh, 12 and five. Sports Illustrated. Super Bowl or bust. Oh hell yeah! 12, they, they, twelve and five. Twelve that. and five. Four and five. Six and six. Three sixteen. You all right? Something cold. Just yes, I am all right. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill dominated in that in that game, and he only threw eighty eight passing yards on fourteen attempts. The Baltimore he, game. Yeah. yeah, one of those was also like a huge pass too. So out of those so, eighty yards, he had two big chunks out of two passes. Right. Exactly. So the rest of that was Derrick Henry. So he was a dog. Yeah. It's actually a human being. Point being is that they figured out a formula that works for them. They didn't try to force a narrative. They they figured out their their strengths and they, they have played to them. And they keep on playing to them. That's why a sixth seed that started out two and four with Marcus Mariota has figured it out with Ryan freaking Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill, what, wasn't he the Dolphins quarterback? Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. If they make it to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is in Miami. Oh, that would be such a... So if we go into the whole entire scenario in which I always think that like usually somehow in sports that I always have this self-doubt that sports are fixed. For example, the Houston Astros, before they end up getting all these allegations in 2017, that was when Hurricane Harvey happened. Ironically mm. enough, they won the World Series that year. The Boston the Cavs bombing? won in 2016, which equaled out to be 216, which is the area code in Cleveland. The Boston bombing in 2014, the Red Sox conspiracy theory podcast. No, it's just turning into that, that there's always some type of connection when it Mm -hmm. comes to the fact of big championship games. Peyton Manning won the last overall game that he played in the Super Bowl as the Denver Broncos quarterback, and he ended up calling it quits. Right in the 50th Super Bowl of all time. And now you have Ryan Tannehill possibly playing the Super Bowl, maybe winning it, 
in Miami, which ironically enough was a where, seed. and ironically enough, he did play for the Miami Dolphins. Isn't it ironic? I don't know if anybody cares enough about Ryan Tannehill to fix it in that way, though. But I mean, it's still that. that it's still story that. Behind wow, it, and right. that's the media. I mean, there always has to be a story behind something. They just find one, and we just found one, and it was right there. If yeah. that does happen, on the NFC side, I mean, you could have the Forty ers just you, because they want there been to not there. be a story. No, you always have some type of story. I mean, even if Kansas City wins the AFC Championship, they haven't been there for 50 years. So that's your story on the AFC side. On the NFC, you have 13-3 Green Bay Packers with the rookie head coach. And, and you have a historic franchise. Another historic franchise with a probably comeback player of the year, and they're winning on predominantly defense. All right, and since you did bring up comeback player of the year, between Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill, who is the comeback player of the year? I would say Tannehill. I'm going to say Jimmy G just because Tannehill didn't have to do much. His team just has success. Tannehill's stat line isn't staggering. It's not like he took this huge jump. His team is. His team is playing better with him. Jimmy G got hurt last year, came back, and is having – an outstanding year. Making that he money. took an individual leap. I think that, that that award is, you know, based around the individual. So I think that Jimmy takes it. So I'm I'm not going to necessarily give my input on that just because I honestly don't think either of them would necessarily deserve it. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't really Jimmy Garoppolo solely based on him, and that's not why the 49ers are good. They have a good run game, they have good wide receivers, and their defense is strong. Ryan Tannehill, you're having Derrick Henry average 185 yards within like the last six weeks. Which is why they're successful, and I don't think that they would be without Derrick Henry. That's my point. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you could there would be somebody else, but I feel like that would be between the two if you do look at the Comeback Player of the Year award. But as we talk about the Titans and wrap up the Titans, before we get to our interview, how far can Tennessee go with Derrick Henry leading the charge? They can go to this weekend. Who do they got? They got uh, Kansas City. Man, I'm not going to count Kansas City out anymore. So they possibly can go to this weekend. Uh, the AFC now goes through Kansas City. Kansas City shows me that, like, hey, they might be down in the first quarter, but you take a two-hour nap. Right. You take a two-hour nap, then they're going to – 41 to 21 right it's after that. Very strange. It's, it's very thing, strange honestly. that you say that because it happened to me. Same you here. You too. I, wow. I fell asleep when it was 24-14, and I woke up, and it was, it was 51-31. And I was like, what the hell happened? I, I fell asleep at yeah. half. It was 24-21, and I woke back up in the fourth quarter, and I was just hearing the commentary. I didn't open up my eyes yet. And the commentators obviously did a good job, and they made it sound like it was a close game because I didn't hear the score at all. Open up my eyes, and it's 51 to 24, 30, whatever Houston was at. I think it was at 30 30 at the time. 51, 30. I fell asleep for not even a full half, not even halfway through the fourth quarter, but they put up that much that that they ran out of touchdown fireworks. Wow. I went to bed after Travis Kelsey dropped the one pass in the first quarter, and I said, good night. I thought that shit. I they thought ran they out of touchdown bed. fireworks. That's Kansas City is obviously You're tough. not stopping Pat Mahomes right now. I think the Titans' defense is what the strong suit is. The Titans' defense. They're putting up 51. And Derrick Henry. That's your strong suit. Yes, and if Kansas Ryan City Tannehill, if they are able to do this without Ryan Tannehill having a big game, 
if they could find a way to make Tannehill comfortable and actually have him actually find his niche and maybe play action a couple times because they're going to bite on Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. You're going to be looking at Ryan Tannehill. If he ends up throwing for 200 yards, they might be able to put up 51 points, and you're looking at a high-scoring game, but you also have two good defenses, too, as long as they both come Put up 51 points. Tennessee? Yes. If Tannehill can play uh, and Derrick Henry no, remains the same, I don't, they don't I don't, kind of offense. Yeah, I don't, I don't see Tennessee putting up 51 they, on you. They have a large time of possession offense. Uh, I like that. N- n- nickel and dime, low score, and keep the ball away. That's what they have to uh, do against Kansas City. They they have to Kansas City's defense is, is the the weakest link in in this entire playoffs right now out of who's left. So they need to Tennessee needs to stay on the field and they need to pound Derrick Henry a lot. They need to keep Pat Mahomes off the field. If they can do that, if they can keep Pat Mahomes off the field and beat the hell out of the Chiefs defense, the Titans have a shot. Isn't Malcolm Butler on the Titans defense? He what does that have to do with anything? Well, no, I'm just, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying the man's been there before. We're talking about game plans game. here. Right. But some made me think about him, no weird stuff. Yeah, he's and the quarterback for the Titans. The, quarterback, the, the, okay. uh, Chiefs, the uh, Chiefs game plan is very, very easy. You stop Derrick Henry, you win the game. So prediction, Pete, I'm taking it. You're taking the Chiefs? I'm taking the Chiefs. Riggs? I'm taking the, uh, the uh, Chiefs 24-13. I don't have a final score, but you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Titans on this one. You know, Titans going to the Super Bowl. I'm honestly saying the Titans are going to the Super Bowl too. They have actually figured out the game plan, I think. And if they could stop New England, if they could stop Baltimore, and they're not playing good defense to the point that they're shutting them down. They're breaking up passes at last minute in their safeties, their corners, their whole entire secondary is kind of popping up, and you think you could actually catch the ball as a receiver, and last second the ball is on the ground. And I think that kind of defense mixed along with Derrick Henry, and I'm expecting a better game out of Tannehill. You're looking at a Super Bowl berth, and then you're going to end up finding out who they play at 6.30 on Sunday evening. But at this time, though, we're going to end up taking it to our Titans interview after a word from our sponsor – So we'll be back in a few. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I'm here with Austin Nelson from the Second and Victory Titans podcast. And obviously today we're going to be talking a little bit of the Tennessee Titans for this interview. Now, Austin, why don't you give us your uh, social media where fans can find you on Twitter so I could also help out your guys' podcast since you're doing me a last-minute favor as well. Absolutely, man. Not a problem. Yeah, I'm Austin. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at I Austin Nelson. Um, you can follow our, uh, our our Titans page at Second and Victory. Um, you can get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify with the Second and Victory podcast. Uh, so that's us. All right, perfect. Well, why don't we just hop right into the questions? So first and foremost, obviously with the playoff run that the Titans have became and the playoff story overall, why has Ryan Tannehill been the right choice at starter instead of Marcus Mariota? So if, if you've paid any attention to the Titans um, over the, the last four or so years, you, you've, you've seen that Marcus Mariota has had ups and he's had his downs, and, and uh, really he's been very mediocre. Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of – um, positives. Um, there hasn't been a lot of negatives. There's just been a lot of eh, if that makes any sense. 
Uh, the Titans have – this is the fourth straight year of them going 9-7 and seven in the regular season. So Marcus wasn't improving the team by any means. Uh, he wasn't elevating them by any means, but he wasn't getting the job done um, to win the division titles year after year. Um, so Titans general manager John Robinson made a move and said, hey, we need somebody that can – just in case Marcus cannot stay healthy – uh, which he has not been the last few years. He can't finish a full 16-game season. He said, I need to find somebody who can, who can come in just in case and be a viable starter because he has put together a fantastic roster. Uh, through free agency, through the draft, he is building a, a Super Bowl-caliber roster. And so he found Ryan Tannehill and got him for a fourth-round pick and uh, some pocket change. And um, Marcus um, – Played six games this season, went two and four in those games. And uh, Mike Vrabel and the coaching staff decided to make a move uh, with Ryan Tannehill. And, and Peyton, man, nobody knew. You know, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into with Ryan Tannehill. Um, a lot of fans were still on board with Marcus and wanted Marcus to be the guy. And a lot of fans as well wanted Ryan Tannehill to take over um, immediately from the get go. Um, but you gave Marcus Mariota a $20 million option before the season started, so you had to ride with him because of that. And so after six games, Ryan Tannehill stepped in and um, you know went 7-3 and three as a starter on the season. Um, he brought the offense a spark. Um, he brought um, a just a new energy to, to the offense with, with um, his legs, with his arm, uh, with his play action. Um, so he has been um, everything the Titans have, have hoped for uh, when they traded for him. All right, perfect. And, I mean, obviously in the uh, subject of Ryan Tannehill, too, obviously both Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota are both free agents. Do you believe that Tannehill has found a home with the Tennessee Titans as the starting quarterback? I do. I do. And I think uh, – um, these last few weeks has kind of grown more and more that, that Tannehill will be back uh, next season. Now, how that deal gets done, nobody knows yet. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be the franchise tag for a year, if they actually give him a a long-term contract. And what I mean by that, kind of like a Nick Foles, Kirk Cousins kind of thing, just a lot of money guaranteed, maybe for a three-year deal. Uh, but he's definitely found a home here. And, uh, yeah, I think you'll see Ryan Tannehill under center uh, week one for the t- uh, Titans next season. Perfect. All right. Thank you. I mean, obviously, like, I'd be thinking the same thing, honestly. With that kind of success, you really can't pretty much move on, especially if you have the success already. And he, like you said, he ended up giving the team seven wins. So you can't really, or not, yeah, seven wins combined. So right. I mean, you can't even, and that's right. in the regular season. You can't really. Exactly. You can, you can say two more with, the, with these last two postseason wins as well. So. Right, exactly. And, I mean, obviously with the Titans, too, it's not just been Ryan Tannehill. It's also been Derrick Henry, too. What has helped Derrick Henry have the best year so far in the NFL of his career? Right. So, last season, uh, Eddie George, you know, longtime Titan, probably the the, the most well-known Titan and most beloved Titan in in franchise history, um, had some words with Derrick Henry and kind of let him know, hey, man, you are – you can be the best. You have what it takes. You have the body. You have the speed. You have the, You have everything that you, you know in front of you. You just have to go take it. And so uh, that was kind of halfway through the season last season. And uh, you saw what Derek did last season. He kind of had that huge game against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday night football. Had the huge 99-yard run. 
Um, but he played well the last kind of six weeks of the season. And um, Titans fans are kind of wondering then, okay, you know, next year's is, is last year the deal. Are they going to extend him? Um, what's going to happen? John Robinson did ended up not extending him, so he uh, let you know rolled the dice with it. And uh, you've seen what Derrick Henry's done this season. He has been a monster. Um, obviously, led the league in rushing and has kind of been the the backbone of the Titans team. Um, you know, the, the, this this offense goes through Derrick Henry, and uh, you know you see his high volume carries. You know, thirty something carries a game. I mean, I, Peyton, this guy could he can handle it forty five times and be fine. Um, he, he's that kind of workhorse. He's that kind of running back. So to people, it may be surprising that, you know, all of a sudden Derek Kearney came out of nowhere, but to kind of to, to people who watch him week after week, man, this has been kind of a growing thing since he's got here in Nashville. He sat two years behind DeMarco Murray to kind of rest his legs and whatnot, but uh, he's kindly, you know, is finally coming out in the NFL and uh, should be, a, you know, a top three paid back this, this next offseason. Okay, perfect. And that kind of goes right into the next question, too. Do you think that Derrick Henry is becoming one of the best running backs in the NFL? I think it would be kind of crazy to say no to that question, right? Um, there's a lot of great running backs. Um, we can go, you know, you and I are NFL fans. We could say Saquon Barkley. You could say Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, but I think you would have to put Derrick Henry right there in that conversation. Uh, with the top three, four backs in the league. So, definitely, he's got to be up there. Um, he's earned it, and, uh, um, you know, his his production speaks for itself. All right. And then while we're on the uh, topic of the playoffs overall, how much of it is a surprise for Titans fans that the team alone has made it to the AFC Championship and they beat both New England and Baltimore? <laughs> it's pretty wild, right? Um, yeah, it's definitely surprising. Um, the, the Titans kind of had a mantra before the year, and uh, it was go from good to great. You know, they've had some good seasons the last couple of years, so they wanted to be great. They wanted to go and uh, win a division title, which they ended up not doing. Uh, they had a chance to. Um, and now all they had to do was kind of take care of their business. And so week 17, they go to Houston, and uh, they, you know, play a rested uh, Texans team, and so they kind of took care of business there. And then they knew what they had in front of them. They had to go play the the defending champion, Super Bowl Patriots, uh, New England Patriots, I'm sorry, uh, in Foxborough. I uh, knew that was a tough task. And then when they get that done, they had to go play the, you know, the, the MVP, Lamar Jackson, and that, you know, high – profile offense and uh, they shocked the world and, and beat them too. Um, so it has been very surprising um, the kind of the way they've done it. Uh, but if you look at this roster up and down, kind of like I mentioned earlier, uh, John Robinson has, has put together a, a very, very good roster. And so if you kind of watch the Titans closely, uh, if, you're, if you're real fans, you know that this team was kind of set up for this, uh, but it's just kind of still shocking um, the way it's happened um, just because the Titans have not been in this position since 2002. Right. And I mean, do you think that the Tennessee Titans can actually carry this momentum into the Super Bowl, which ironically enough for Ryan Tannehill is in Miami? In that, yeah. So I actually do. And I, I don't want to say that's the fan of me talking, um, but this team, you know, have kind of proved the entire country wrong twice so far. So um, with New England, nobody, I mean, everybody kind of counted the Titans out. They thought, you know, the Patriots won that one. And they definitely thought last week that that the uh, Ravens would take care of uh, the Titans as well. So if the Titans can run the ball and, you know, 
you got to remember too, Ryan Tannehill led the league in um, passer rating this season. Um, he led the league in um, yards per attempt and the most first downs um, passing. So uh, it didn't all run through Derek. Um, Ryan had a lot to do with the success as well. Um, so can the Titans do it? They absolutely can. They t- they face a tough, tough, tough. Uh, Chiefs team this week, and I know the Chiefs will be ready to go at home at Arrowhead. Uh, they are um, coming off a huge win last week, and uh, you would think that they want kind of some revenge last, you know, off last year, losing at home against the Patriots, had it, and uh, kind of it, it slipped through their fingers. So it's going to be interesting. But if the, the Titans can play their defense and get some stops and uh, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, they'll definitely have a chance. All right. Awesome. And I mean, honestly, I'm rooting for the Titans, too. But last question before I end up letting you go, Austin, in your opinion, who has been the major key for the Tennessee Titans? Has it been Mike Vrabel himself? Has it been the Titans defense? Has it been the offense or has it been Derrick Henry alone? Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a good question, Peyton. Um, I, I you know I don't want to I don't want to make this sound you know really cheesy, but it's kind of been a group effort, man. It's it's been everybody. Um, you if you there's been a lot of ups and downs of Mike Gribble this year, decision calling, um, in games. Um, it's been a huge knock on him his in game um decisions and um what he chooses to do. So he has stepped up uh, tremendously. Uh, if you kind of saw him that New England game, if you watched that closely towards the end of the game. He uh, made some critical um, calls at the end where the uh, time expired and kind of took a page of the Bill Belichick's playbook and um, um, let the clock wind down and kind of took some uh, false starts and penalties to wind the clock down. Uh, That was a great, great um, call by him. Uh, But other than that, the defense has stepped up, uh, got turnovers back. the, The Titans are healthy again. Um, Dory Jackson has come back. Jayon Brown will be back this weekend. Um, a lot of guys that the Titans didn't have in the first meeting with the Chiefs, they'll be back this week. Um, so it'll be a different uh, roster. But it'd be dumb to say it hasn't been the success of Ryan Tannehill that got him to this point. Um, it'd be tough to say it wasn't Derrick Henry as well. Um, the offensive line has played tremendous as well. Um, A.J. Brown, rookie out of Ole Miss, has, has stepped up and kind of emerged as the Titans' number one receiver. So it's been a huge group effort from everybody. So, kind of like an ad lib pretty much prediction for you. I mean, obviously you're a Titans fan, but biased aside, what do you think the AFC Championship game, what is your prediction and score? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, the fan of me, of course, says uh, Titans win. Um, I'm going to the game. I'm leaving Saturday morning to go for it. Um, I'll be there. And so the fan of me, of course, says Titans will win. Um, I will not be surprised at all, Peyton, if the Chiefs win this, man. Like I said, that, that offense has, is, is rolling right now. They had a fantastic week last week. And like I said, I think there's a chip on their shoulder. They want to kind of come out and, and prove that, uh, you know, they are um, the, the best team in the AFC. Um, now that the, the, the Ravens are out of it, they'll have a huge opportunity to get it done. Um, so of course I'm going to say the Titans win, but if, you know, if the Chiefs win, um, it was a hell of a season for the Titans and, um, uh, they'll just have some kind of something to build off of next year. But I do like the Niners to kind of win it all if, uh, if the Titans don't. Okay. Awesome. Well, Austin Nelson, again, thank you once again from the second and victory podcast. And we're back on the We Like Sports podcast. 
Now we're going to be talking about the NFC Championship game between the Green Bay Packers and the 49ers. First and foremost, just a small tidbit of the 49ers game. The 49ers, they didn't necessarily run away with it, but they did enough to beat Minnesota. And the highlight for Minnesota was just the early pass to Stefan Diggs that was for like 40 yards, and that was about as much offense as they got passing. But did you guys see when Nick Bosa went down when going for a sack, and he ended up pretty much twisting his ankle, and the 49ers pretty much chanted along Bosa's name yeah, as if it was like wrestling, and Bosa and pretty much up. got up like the Undertaker. Like he just sat up and got up after just trying. He even said it was so cool. And that he was just trying to catch his breath, but with the energy from the crowd and everything else, that was probably, that was just a cool moment overall. And you're also looking at the 49ers that probably before this year and last, they're irrelevant since the time of Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. So good for the 49ers fans. They at least have that glimmer of hope. Moving on to Green Bay against Seattle. Marshawn Lynch had a short-lived return with Seattle coming back only playing for two weeks, and losing to Green Bay. Although, what are your guys' thoughts on the closing seconds of the game between Green Bay and Seattle when they said that, I forgot who was the wide receiver for Green Bay. He was way short, and it was another missed Oh, yeah, I saw this. Okay, so dude had a first down uh, because everybody's going off of the yellow line on that picture. Mm -hmm. If you look at at the still shot, that yellow line is a solid yard and a half ahead of where the in-person first down marker was. That is not the real first down marker. That yeah, it's just a visual. Right, in which if you look at the picture, it's a yard and a half off. He had a first down. I don't care where that, that yellow line is. It's it, they're so off. It's so often that, that that line is off. It's unreal. You cannot go off of that. That is not the real first down marker. So, in fairness, obviously, I I also did kind of look at like the actual marker too, and I it was close. I don't know if it was first like first down worthy. I had some doubt at first, but I mean, with that explanation, I obviously forgot that the imaginary yellow line doesn't actually exist, but it did when you actually look at the marker itself, though, with the actual chains. It looked pretty close, but it still looked a little bit short, though, when to I me, saw that. To me, it was about the angle. About, I, I still believe he got it. Riggs, do you have any input at all? I'm, like, trying to vaguely I, – I vaguely remember because I was getting out of my roommate's car watching on his phone before I went into work. And, like, Pete's right. That, that marker – did not even look like it was anywhere close to that. So I believe someone needs to get their eyes checked, i.e. a referee. Or maybe the league was just like, look, we're running out of time. Let's just hurry up and get this game over with. That sucks that Marshawn had a short return to Seattle. I hope he stays there. He seems like he fits comfortably in their system. I thought they were going to beat the Packers just because Aaron Rodgers is a G. He's a veteran, and he always works himself out of those situations. So who knows, after February, we might be seeing another discount double check from Aaron Rodgers. Could be. So between the Green Bay Packers and the 49ers, prediction time for the NFC Championship. Who do you guys have? Packers. 49ers. Honestly, I think it's going to be the 49ers. I don't think a rookie head coach can go as far. And right now, it hasn't been really Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. It has been their run game that has led them this far in 49ers have a good, solid defense. 
think it's going to be a little bit of a rude awakening for Aaron Rodgers and some Packer fans. Richard Sherman's very confident. 49ers, 30-27 to 27 in overtime. I have no scores on that game. Riggs has a Tennessee Titans, Green Bay Packers, Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. He does. I have a San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs. And I have Titans and 49ers. So moving on to the time that Pete and Riggs have been waiting for, Cleveland Yay. Browns talk. Tis the season, am I right? Yeah. I really love doing this podcast with you, Peyton. Have I ever told you that? I'm how much quite, I enjoy it. How much do you love the fact that Kevin Stefanski is your Browns head coach? It's, man. I don't uh, right, dude. It's no. like, <laughs> let, you're right. Let's bring and it. It's not his fault. Right. It's not his fault that we don't know. It's Jimmy Haslam's fault that we don't know. Right. Okay. I have nothing against Stefanski. He's proven to be a, a good coach. He, he took. He took Kirk Cousins and he and he made him better. He's taken everything that he's touched and it's statistically gotten better. He he's a perfect balance of analytics and personality and I think he has the capabilities of doing the job. I don't know if he's going to be allowed to do the job. Me and my mailman were talking. You know, that's, that's the best weird. fucking sentence. No, that's never, weird. No, Riggs. no. Me and my me and my yeah, mailman. Yeah, you know, so just, just me and my my, my uh, mailman. We were on a we were having a beer. You know. No, like, me and my mailman. We talk almost every time I catch him. I come out and he goes, "Hey, Riggs, how's it going?" And we'll talk about sports. And I'm like, "Well, how do you feel about the new coach, Tim?" And as he's getting ready to continue his route, he goes, "Look, this guy. No one really wants route him to here." The next house, right? <laughs> And while I'm sitting on my porch and I'm like kind of walking with them. Is it a streak or a curl? The route? Yeah. Straight shot. But, um. He ain't got it. Go on. No, I, I'm lost now because I'm trying to figure out You're a dead joke. You're very awkwardly talking to your fucking mailman. Right. Yeah. No, no, it's not awkward. We have a good relationship. That's weird. <laughs> but he's like, watch the coach that we don't know and that we don't care about. Watch him possibly be the one to change the culture. But as a Browns fan. I mean, it we all knew about is. we all knew about him. With the Pedestal wanted him last year. This is who I figured that we were going to end up with. It, it's when Haslam put Pedesta in charge of the coaching search. You could have basically figured that it was going to be Stefanski because analytically, which is what Pedesta cares about, Money his, his computer told him that Stefanski is the guy because everything that he has touched has statistically gotten better. It's all about stats. And Stefanski is on paper, he makes the most sense. I just knew Mike McCarthy wasn't going to come here to second Dallas wanted to talk to him. Well, I mean, as long as but in fairness, over at Jerry Jones he interviewed house. here. He interviewed here, and the Browns never and didn't even make him an offer. While we talk about Stefanski, though, obviously you guys remember when Hell froze over in 2014 when the Browns started off six and three. Having first place for a few weeks. But you guys remember that, right? Yeah. I remember Brian Hoyer. So Brian Hoyer, that exact offensive scheme. And Josh Gordon. Is the same scheme similar to Kevin Stefanski that he runs. But overall, you have better wide receivers now. You have a a subpar line. You have a better quarterback, though, and a better running back. Two better running backs. With that... With that kind of scheme, does that guys does that give you guys hope? And obviously, if 2014 it was able to happen so with subpar athletes, our season has been over for a little bit over two weeks now. We're not far enough away from it for us Browns fans to be saying the word hope. Right. We're still. Kinda, I wouldn't know. I'm sorry. We're still kind of hurting. So please don't say that word to us yet. <laughs> right. Is that your safe word. 
Right. If anything, it's oh, just it's our sad word right now. Right. If anything, it's just how I feel about any other Browns coach. All right, that's cool. Represent the city. Bring him in here. See what he can do, and you better at least well, win ten excited, fucking like, games. I was excited when we got Hugh. Yeah, same here. Yeah, because Hugh on paper made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was excited. I'm excited. He was he coach. was the hot candidate for anybody too. It was the one time that we got like the hot nude. Man, but, he turned into hot dog shit. He, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I know I know I'm getting you guys sad. We're not going to talk about hope, but I do want to share this with you though. During the introductory press conference for Kevin Stefanski on Tuesday, Stefanski said about the players, "Quote: Personality is welcome. Your production is required." End quote. Ooh, I like that. Hmm. So Ooh. all your guys that missed out in the OTAs, Baker Mayfield, who got fat, it's yeah, all going to change now. There's no excuse now for Jarvis Landry to miss OTAs. There's no right. excuse for Odell oh, no. Beckham Jr. to miss OTAs. Or anyone not playing week one in preseason. Even for like two snaps. Like There's fans that can't make a regular season game and they want to see Odell Beckham run a stupid little route, but, you know, because he doesn't want to play, then that just – it just looks bad. So I, I all, do like that. You also – you kind of know what you have with, with those guys at the same time, though. If you want to talk preseason – there, there, that's exactly what there he's is, talking about. There is a opinion. lot of rest. There is a lot of rest that needs to be had in the preseason. You don't want to get somebody hurt that you already know is going to produce. The, the preseason is for – mildly getting your feet wet, but somebody like like Odell has had enough experience now that he doesn't really need to get his feet wet. You can kind of get your chemistry down in practice. Yeah, but, but he missed preseason is for figuring out your backups and who's going to be on the roster and who's not. I, I don't hate I don't hate them not playing a lot in the preseason. But do you think that Kevin last year sure because they they needed chemistry? Mm, yeah, of course, right. And honestly, I think that you should follow up in this year, make up for the sad ass effort that you put in. They have to. They have that to. You have to go to OTAs. You have to go they to practice. To. You have to go you play the first two weeks of preseason. We because week four doesn't matter. It's a bunch of worthless scrubs that are bagging groceries and they're fucking Super Bowl. How are you gonna call them worthless scrubs, bro? Week four, they're professional athletes. Yeah, and when they're bagging, are my you good enough? Are you good enough? Brown bags? Are you good enough bags? to be on, on, on a week four Browns roster? My question I, is, I, I if they're pathetic money. scrubs, what are you? I'm just an analytical person, just like Paul De Podesta. And analytically, you're a bitch. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> numbers don't lie. Now I'm teasing. They spill disaster when it comes to you. I, I think I still won. Anyway, go on. I don't even remember what the fuck I was We're talking about how fucking sad we are because we're fucking Browns fans. Oh, so with Kevin Stefanski, now I remember because you guys are talking about sadness. Does that at least give you guys hope that with that kind of statement that we're not going to deal with not showing up? Your personality? Bring it. Have told fun. told you to stop saying that. Hope. hope. Right. Sorry. I like that he said that verbally with his mouth. Fucking Freddie Kitchen said a lot of shit, too. When Freddie Kitchen said, if you don't wear brown and orange, you don't matter, I was fucking pumped. Mm-hmm. I was inspired. And he was fucking ass. I don't give a fuck what Stefanski says right now. And, again, it's not his fault that we're as bitter as we are. Right. Okay? He just walked into he the could, situation. He could come in here and kill it. He could absolutely come in here and take the, this, this talent that we have and absolutely take off with it and kill it. Was or head coach? he can be everything that we have experienced and that we are bitter about. This is going to be Baker's fourth offensive coordinator. And how many years has he been in the league now? He's only Steve? been in the league for two years. Two 
full years. That would that, that would drive me insane. I'll be like, is there? Any, How is he supposed to succeed? Right. Is is there a system here? Is is there any stability here? Like that's like being at your job. And it's like you, Baker's playing so bad. It's like you go through three offensive coordinators and be an elite talent. Come on. Right. It's like going through two district managers at but your Baker, job. Baker, look, hit the fucking stairmaster, bro. So with that quote that I gave you guys, though, I know it's a popular thing. For Cleveland fans now, did Kevin Stefanski with that statement alone win the press conference? Sure, with the yeah, statement. He, yeah, he did with a statement, but what's better, you know, he's got to win games, though, too. You can you can talk the talk in press conferences all day and look sweet and cool, but when it comes to that field Chud? in September. Chud was a great talker. Wow. Wow. Chud was a great talker. Mangini was decent. Wow. And Mangini. But they can't fucking coach. So I know, I know we're in sadness mode, but here's some of that four-letter word that I don't want to discuss. Good coach either, <laughs> right? So with the Browns, let's put payroll aside, offensive side, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Here's some of the upcoming free agents. If you guys had the opportunity to, who would you target? Out of quarterback, are you targeting Dak Prescott, Drew Brees, Tom Brady? Ryan Tannehill, Philip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, or Marcus Mariota? Are you tar- targeting any one of those as a backup, I guess, to Baker Mayfield? Because he is your guy. Out of all those guys, uh, Tannehill probably is my number one. Mariota and Winston would probably be close seconds. Outside of that, I'm not really interested in it. Exactly, because I don't definitely I don't want see. Con- I do not want controversy here. Right. I do not want it. Get it out. Mm-hmm. And I definitely don't see Andrew Brees showing up here. Drew Brees ain't coming. And I no. definitely don't see Tom Brady showing up Get here. Get that shit out of your fucking mouth. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I agree with you on that, Pete. Don't I don't want – I do not want – Controversy Baker is my guy. I right. don't want – like Peyton and I were, were talking last week about bringing Tom Brady in and him starting for, for a year and then Baker coming back in. It's like, no, you're not about – You're, you're going to ruin his confidence. You're, you're not about to destroy this, this kid's fucking confidence. You're gonna be like, oh, Baker, this is your team, and oh, wait, hold on, pause on that. We'll we'll get back to you. All right, Baker, right. we'll Let's, get back in. Like, no, no, oh, no, no, well, no, well, no. Tom's no. here. He can just fucking take the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want the Browns to potentially. I know you can't see my air quotes. Win the whole damn thing. Oh well, they only did it because they got Tom Brady when he's already established yeah, himself I, elsewhere. Right. So on the running back side, here's the list. The two asterisks, which mean they're a restricted free agent, Kareem Hunt, Austin Eckler, Matt Breida. Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt. Then out of just regular free agents, Melvin Gordon, Derek Henry, Kenyon Drake, Jordan Howard, Carlos Hyde, Lamar Miller. Yes. Two out of the three of those guys <laughs> are all Texans, being um, Lamar Miller and Carlos Hyde. What about um, – Lamar Miller's coming off an injury. Um, what about Melvin Gordon? How Melvin Gordon, him? I mean, that'd be freaking dope. Yeah, I drafted him first in my fantasy. Um, what's the difference between – He wants paid, though. No, but what's the difference oh, between yeah, put that aside. Tom Brady being a starter – over Baker when you would Quarter- be technically sitting Nick Chubb and having a dominant starter with Melvin Gordon, for example. Uh, and Nick Chubb would be a starter over, over Gordon. Um, yeah, because I feel like he's been talking longer. about splitting carries. You're going to sacrifice in individual stats, but you're going to increase overall offensive productivity. I, I love having a two-back system. It keeps guys fresh. It keeps them healthy at a position that takes a fucking beating throughout the year. 
it'll help guys stay healthy and that way even if one guy does go down you have another solid guy that you can just plug or right in and take the uh bulk of the uh carries that i loved the idea of having chubb and hunt as a one one two punch uh i think that the, the uh, days of having one back take the entire load are kind of in, in the past. There's all some, the NFL, some change the game. Organization. In all, all, all of the NFL. There, there right, are, there, the game. There are a select guy. There are like some, a few guys that, that can still do it, but you're going to see them being able to do it for a shorter amount of time. We have to start finding ways to extend these guys' careers. The days of Adrian Peterson's doing it for 10 years are, are, are done. Yeah, I've heard running backs, they get beat on. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they <laughs> take carrying the ball twenty five times a game for sixteen games, getting those high, high velocity hits by big ass dudes. It, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, if Kelvin Johnson had to retire as a at a young age as a receiver, damn, yeah. Calvin Johnson. Wow. And you're getting a good amount of receptions at wide receiver. You're also getting, let's say, a hundred receptions on average for a wide receiver. Take that into account for a running well, that's back. A really that's season. about how many carries you're getting in three or four games if you're a running. Because you're well, getting 30 you, attempts you, or you, so. You can, well, t- between 20 and 30. So in about four games, you can say that you're getting about 100 carries. So you're multiplying the number of which Calvin Johnson retired at by two almost as a running yeah, back. Yeah, absolutely. Last question on the free agency market. Wide receiver, I think the Browns would be fine. They don't really have to worry about anything. Well, Higgins, Higgins is probably leaving. You might want to find somebody for uh, for, for Shard Perryman um, at all. We already had him. He's probably not coming back. He wants to be more of a main guy, and with Odell and Jarvis, you're not going to be a main guy here. Devin Funches. Uh, I'd rat, uh, Robbie Anderson of the Jets. That'd be cool. I like him. About it. That's the only reasonable ones. You have Amari Cooper, AJ Green, Larry Fitzgerald too, but they're not going to be playing the third role as wide receiver, especially behind Odell and Jarvis. I don't see any of those names that I list. You imagine Amari Cooper, Jarvis, and Odell. Oh man! But on the tight end front, though, which we may guys, have to look at because Njoku kind of wants out of here too. Mm. Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, isn't he from uh, Atlanta? Okay, eighty-one. Eric Ebron. Okay, mm-hmm. he's good too. Tyler Eifert, and Darren Fells coming back. There's definitely options there. Right. So, obviously, if Najoku wants I, I, out, I, you're I moving heard, on. Uh, huh? Or could you actually end up kind of having I would, out of all Jones those as guys, your number one? No. Um, out of all those guys, I would prefer to have Njoku. Um, I feel like he has the highest ceiling, if he can say, on the fucking field. Outside of that, Ebron or, or Eifert would be solid signings. Yeah, Eric Ebron's a he's a he's a solid brick shit house. That's a big guy right there for the tight end position. But like you say, Pete, I like to uh, keep Najoku. I feel like he fits in with the system. I'm comfortable having him here. But at the end of the day, it is a business. Initial reaction before we wrap things up. Ironically enough. Antonio Brown throws a bag of dicks at his baby mama and yells at the police. Not just yelling and screaming, but also saying some absurd terms in which you should be like arrested if you didn't have freedom of speech. A, what are you guys' initial thoughts? B, is he ever coming back to the NFL at this point? I think that's He's hilarious. Never coming back to the NFL. I think that's hilarious. There had to be some type of inside joke that you had to throw a bag of dicks at your baby mama. Maybe she was a hoe. Maybe like I, I just you know because why 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 else would you do that like I mean oh she made me mad well guess what I'm gonna throw a bag of dicks at her it's Antonio Brown dude he's 
fucking nutcase. So is he going out to Adam and Eve and buying a bunch of dicks just to get back at his ex-wife? No, you could actually buy a bag of dicks online if you end up like searching it on Google. Fun fact, everybody that's listening, you could end up sending a bag of dicks to a certain address. That's a real thing. I've, I've seen it online before because it's like, you know, like the Facebook memes that you share. So yeah, so it's a real thing. It's not like you went to Adam and Eve or any like like weird shop right he's going yeah, let me get maybe, 10 of those yeah, five of those maybe, three of those one of those he's a fucking whack job dude yeah that, that's he, he needs serious he needs serious fucking help yeah that's that's the yeah, guys like him need a hobby and need to continue to play professional sports because i've had an ex throw stuff at me and, and even you know rub stuff in my face like even like materialistic things was it a bag of dicks no hell no it wasn't a bag of dicks he wishes it was no i, I just I, I that's hilarious, and no one wants to talk about how Julian Elliman got caught vandalizing supposedly. Can we have jumping on the car? He jumped did on you, a Mercedes. Did you guys see though that Tom Brady posted on Instagram hydration shots and tagged Julian Edelman and said, "Hey man, you need a couple of these because hydration shots end up pretty much curing your hangover allegedly." So Tom Brady literally tagged Julian Edelman and went, "You need a couple of like electrolytes in you, dude." Mm-mm-mm. And on one more subject, too, I heard that Chad Johnson wants to kick for the XFL. Yeah, that's that's weird. <laughs> I love it. I love that guy. <laughs> Is he going to go by Chad Johnson or Chad Ocho Kicker? That wasn't funny, Peyton. I got rigs to smile. No, I'm, no I'm, biting my, <laughs> I'm biting my lip to try not to grind my teeth how bad that was. <laughs> well, I guess on that note, we're going to end on a sour note because, I mean, we're going to go back to talking to the Browns, right? We have to. Oh, for two. I was just fucking around. All right. On that note, pop. we will see you guys next week on the Wheelix Sports Podcast. For Riggs, Pete, I'm Peyton, and we will see you guys in a few days. Work hard. Be safe. Pay your bills. Pay my bills. Can you smell? What Wheelix Sports is.